الله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد Brothers and sisters One thing that we need to think about and also understand and know That when the month of Ramadan comes The kind of mindset The kind of image that we have About Ramadan if it is not the correct image or the correct view, then it could be the result that we fast the whole of Ramadan. The whole of Ramadan. And we might not get anything out of it. Or we might end up just getting minimum reward. The Prophet ﷺ, he told us, Perhaps a person, when he fasts, he comes all the way till the end of the month and then when he comes on Yawm Al-Qiyamah he never got anything out of the fasting except for hunger and thirst. All them hours that he fasted, it went to waste. Maybe because he didn't do the ibadah properly or he didn't engage in the proper activities that he should have been engaging in. Or maybe he fell into some Things that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited. And he caused his good deeds, like his fasting, and the sadaqah that he used to pay, and also the salah that he used to pray, to get destroyed. So we need to understand, brothers and sisters, the importance of this matter. That's why ilm, knowledge, before action is essential. Knowing, having knowledge regards to a matter, before we do it, is something that is essential. Man Bukhari, he says, Knowing, knowledge, before speech and also action, as Imam Bukhari mentions in one of the chapters in his compilation of hadith. The Prophet وسلم, he told us, Ikhwani, Fasting is not only about staying away from food and drink. But the fasting is also about staying away from false talk and also about obscenity. There's many different things to it. The issue is not that just simple, خلاص, I stay away from food and drink. I sleep the whole of Ramadan, maybe for 10-12 hours as they might do in some Arab countries. In the place that where I'm from, in Al-Yemen, and also in places like Saudi Arabia, you, found that you find that this has become like a normal habit. Because the weather is very, very hot, the weather is very, very hot, what happens? People just tend to sleep the whole day. Iftar there is Tagriban maybe 5.30. The people, they wake up maybe 5.25, five minutes before the iftar. The whole day might end up going to what? Sleeping. Allah alam if it's based upon a da'if hadith. There's a da'if narration that says, no masa'im ibadah. The sleeping of a person that's fasting is a form of ibadah, which in fact is a da'if hadith. We are not in need of it. We are not in need in our religion of any da'if hadith. But that's the normality of some countries when it comes to especially the month of Ramadan, they sleep the whole month. They sleep the whole month 
And because of this, they think that they might be getting the same reward as everyone else. Which in reality, this is a misconception. This is something that is incorrect. When Muhammad fasts, Muhammad and also Abdullahi, both of them when they're fasting, they might be doing the same thing. Both of them, they don't eat, they don't drink. And they stay away from getting involved in any sexual intercourse which breaks a person's fasting. Even though the actions might be the same, this guy prays Qiyam al-Layl, this guy prays Siyam as well, or he does a Siyam as well. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ, he told us that the people's ibadat, even though from the apparent, is exactly the same, it is different. In regards to an ibadah that is more important than the Siyam, the Salat. The Prophet ﷺ told us about the Salat. When a person leaves the prayer, إِنَّ الرَّجُلَ لَيَنْصَرِفُ مِنْ صَلَاتِهِ فَمَا كُتِبَ لَهُ مِنْ صَلَاتِهِ لَعُشْرُهَا A man, he leaves the prayer and he only got one-tenth, one-tenth, ten percent of the reward. Some of them, they got twenty percent. Some of them, thirty percent. Some of them, forty percent. And all the way till a person, he might end up getting the full reward. Why? Because this person's prayer, even though that Muhammad and Abdullahi, they're doing the exact same movements, maybe inwardly, the concentration, the khushu' that this guy has, might be different from the one that when he prays very, very quickly. Or he's thinking about what's taking place in his house. Or where he's going to go on holiday, maybe in two weeks' time. Is someone going to take my phone outside of the car? I forgot my thing in my car. My keys maybe is inside. His whole mind is gone. It's not with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's thinking about something else. And likewise when it comes to the hajj, hajj as well. We know that when a person goes out to hajj, everybody goes to Arafah. People have to go to Muzdalifa. Everybody has to throw stones at the Jamarat. They do the same actions. But at the same time, they things. That can be the reason why a person's reward gets reduced. And he doesn't get the same reward as those that are mentioned in the hadith. Man walam walam yawmi the one that performs hajj and he doesn't do any transgression. Transgression like maybe attacking someone, hurting someone. Sometimes when a person goes doing the tawaf, a person's doing the tawaf, little does he know he's sinning. This person, when he's doing the tawaf, he's sinning. Why? Because he's elbowing this guy. He's hitting this guy. He might get angry at this guy. Especially in the Hajar al-Aswad. When the people, they want to go and they want to kiss the black stone. They want to kiss the black stone. It's something that is mustahab. Something that is only recommended. Mustahab is a fadila, virtue. But it's not something that is wajib. To go and put your head inside the black stone and kiss it. So something that is only a sunnah, something that is recommended a virtue, people, they end up doing haram. To punch someone, to elbow someone, is something that is haram. A woman, to go between men, and she comes out without a hijab. Her back is ripped. She's half naked. I've seen it with my own eyes. She's trying to kiss the hajar al-aswad, and she comes out with no hijab. A guy, he's elbowing. One guy shouting, ah, black eye. 
all this for maybe a mustahab and this person what is happening he is falling into haram by hurting and attacking an individual the whole point is ikhwani the one that does these things falls into these sins cannot be the same as the one that doesn't do this this is why only some people not everybody some people when they perform hajj they come back as newly born babies like a newly born baby he has no sins just like a newly born baby who has come into this world a baby when a baby comes into this world I'm going to ask you does he have any sins he has absolutely nothing is it fair for the baby to have sins no because he's new this is the shahid is that everybody comes back with no sins sorry some people they only come back with no sins and the rest based upon their actions some of us that have gone to Hajj we realize that as soon as a person lands at the airport as soon as the person lands at the airport a person's patience is being tested from start to finish the Saudi guy that's working inside the airport he's gonna get on your nerves this is how it is year in year out we see this year in year out you have to sit at the airport imagine eight hours eight hours ikhwani eight hours a person is sitting at an airport he must be sweating stinking he's just been traveling for eight hours then another eight hours a person he hasn't slept he's sitting there so a person's patience is being tested the one that holds his patience and the one that gets angry and he gets fiery cannot be the same when it comes to reward and then you have the siyam ikhwani the siyam certain people they fall into maybe backbiting as we're going to speak into later speak about it later they might not do the proper actions and because of this they don't they come out of the siyam and they don't have nothing except for hunger and thirst so this is something that is vital that we know and we realize and we try to optimize and maximize to the best of our ability and to do the action properly brothers and sisters those that actually work that have jobs we realize when it comes to our jobs we're gonna try and do that job to the best of our ability we're gonna do that job as best as possible why because if we don't do it properly sooner rather than later what's gonna happen the boss is gonna take us into a meeting formal record of discussion we're gonna get given warning number one warning number two and then we're out and because of this because of this we try to do the work that we're doing to the best of our ability because we fear we might lose our jobs if this is the kind of mentality that we have when it comes to the jobs when it comes to the worldly affairs do you not think that the a'mal the thing that is going to remain on yawm al-qiyamah the worship that we're doing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be given more precedence and more effort and we should do them ibadat more properly than anything else Allah subhanahu the prophet sallallahu said inna allah yuhibbu li ahadikum idha amila amalan an yutqinahu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves to you that if you do an action that you try to master it that you do it properly so then it becomes clear to you now the one that contemplates on this issue when it comes to my boss a kafir boss 
and I'm doing my work. How am I doing my work when it comes to this action or this work that I'm doing here? And how am I when it comes to the ibadat? My salat. Is there a two-minute prayer? Or is there a prayer that I put much effort in and I put it properly? And also when it comes, to, this is to the kids, when it comes to your schools and you're doing your exam, your homework, straight away, you do it. Because you're scared of what the boss or the teacher is going to say. Because you might get in trouble. You're going to get a 15-minute detention if you don't do your thing properly. But when it comes to the salat, mommy, I'm going to pray later. I don't want to do it now. I'm feeling lazy. We're like this with the homework. And we're like this when it comes to facing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You think to yourself, which one am I doing more? So the whole shahid is, is that we need to realize how we are when it comes to fulfilling our ibadat. And also another important matter, ikhwani, that we need to realize, and it's also a form of da'wah. Also a form of da'wah. How we are fasting. How we are fasting. And I think this is very, very important and vital that we know, crucial. Because we have around us the majority of the people in this country are who? They're disbelievers. And we're intermingling with them. We see them in our jobs, our neighbors, our disbelievers, our non-Muslims. They don't believe in Islam. All they say year, yearly, they see people fasting, they see people praying. When it comes to the month of Ramadan, you find that a lot of Muslims, all they do is moan and groan. And they're moaning about how hungry they are. They are moaning about how hungry they are and how tired they are. They look like as if they are about to collapse, as if they are about to die. In their workplaces, even when they're working, walking. Brothers and sisters, our religion, Quran, tells us how easy our religion has been made. So if the disbeliever now, you read to him some ayat in the Quran, or he, might, he begins to find out that this religion, this Quran says that the religion is easy. Allah says, Allah wants for you ease, and He doesn't want any hardship for you. Allah hasn't put any hardship for you in your religion. The Prophet when he sent Mu'ad ibn Jabal and also Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, he sent them to Yemen to give da'wah. From the things that he told them was, يَسِّرَا وَلَا تُعَسِّرَا وَبَشِّرَا وَلَا تُنَفِّرَا Make it easy for the people and do not make it hard. Give the people glad tidings and do not chase them away from the religion. Do not make them run away. Do not make them have a negative impact of the religion. So when we are fasting and we look like people that are about to collapse, we look like people that are dying, how on earth, Ikhwani, do we expect that the Muslim is going to ever embrace Islam? Or he's going to look at Islam as if it is an easy religion? Even though we're not giving da'wah, we're not physically giving da'wah, all we're doing, we're fasting. Wallahi, we're here all the time in the jobs. Non-Muslim saying, I can't see myself fasting. I can't do this. Why is it based on why? Because he sees the Muslims. 
He can't fast properly. Or he said, oh, I can't fast. Why? Because I'm tired. And because of this, they get pushed away from the religion mentally and they get fended off. When in reality, the religion is easy and there's many means that a person can take. And even if the person is suffering inside, if you're finding a heart to fast, how was it? Or how was the Prophet ﷺ when he came to hiding the suffering that he had? And if anything, they used to show to the non-Muslims and the disbelievers that they were people that had strength and they weren't weak. Even though it was the month of Ramadan. Brothers and sisters, in the month of Ramadan, the month of Ramadan, the Prophet ﷺ engaged in many activities. From the things that he did in the month of Ramadan is that he went out for jihad. One of the most famous exhibitions, battles that took place was the Battle of Badr. Was the Battle of Badr. That took place in the month of Ramadan. The Kuffar were thinking, the non-Muslims were saying, oh, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity, we're going to get one at the Muslims. They are weak, they're fasting. It's Ramadan. This is our chance. But the Muslims, they were very well trained. They used to prepare themselves. They used to prepare themselves mentally and likewise physically. Also, Fath al-Makkah, the conquest of al-Makkah, when they went and they opened al-Makkah. When the Prophet ﷺ went in the Kaaba, and there was like 365 idols inside the Kaaba. And he started breaking them one by one. He was saying the truth has come. And the batil, the falsehood is going to get removed today. And he's breaking every single one of them. This also took place in the month of Ramadan. In the month of Ramadan, this took place. The Muslims, they didn't show any weakness. If anything, they showed strength. Also, Ikhwani, Umrat al-Qadha. When the Prophet ﷺ went to perform the Umrah al-Qadha, the Kuffar, what were they saying? They were saying, oh, in Al-Madinah there's a disease. The Muslims are going to come and they're going to look like they're weak. They're going to look like they're very, very weak. They're suffering from a contagious disease. They're weak mentally and likewise physically. They are ill. But the Prophet ﷺ, he never showed any weakness. If anything, he encouraged them when they were performing this act to do otherwise. That one of the main reasons why the Muslims today when they do the tawaf and they do the ramal and they take this hand out and they do the ittiba' the Prophet ﷺ told them to do the ramal between the ruknayayn al-yamaniyayn why that's where the, that's where the mushrikeen al-Quraysh were sitting the Mushrikeen al-Quraysh were sitting there. So he wanted to show them that they haven't been affected by any weakness, any illness. To show them they still had strength. So they became amazed when they saw the muscles of the Muslimin. Them running. Without any problem. They were amazed by this. Even though at the time there was illness and there's also a disease in Al-Madinah. The whole point is, Ikhwani, that... The Muslims at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they never showed any weakness. To the Muslims, 
so that the Muslims can, or the non-Muslims and disbelievers, they can get one at the Muslims, whether it came to speaking against them, speaking about them, or even thinking that they have any chance against the Muslimin when it came to some of the battles, as we mentioned before, the Battle of Badr. When some of them, they thought, Khalas, today we're going to get one at the Muslimin. They're weak, they're fasting. Umar ibn al-Khattab, one time he saw a man. He was dragging his feet. This man was dragging his feet. Umar ibn al-Khattab told him to stand up properly and walk properly. You're a Muslim. This is not befitting for a believer to be dragging his feet and walking like as if he's a weak person. What did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa say? Al-mu'min al-qawi khayrun wa ahabbu ila Allah min al-mu'min al-da'if. The strong believer is more beloved and more better than the weak believer. Every, every one of them has goodness in him. This is when it comes to the Iman and also when it comes to physical ability. As some of the shurah they said in regards to the hadith. So brothers and sisters, even though some of us we might be tired, some of us we might become weak, especially in the time of al-iftar, it is not befitting for a believer to put in or to show to the, to the non-Muslims as if he's a Muslim, a person that is struggling. Because we might end up falling into that which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, بشروا, بشرا ولا تنفرا. That a person, he ends up chasing a non-Muslim away from the religion of Islam. Because they see fasting to be a very hard thing. They see fasting to be a very hard thing. From the other things, ikhwani, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam engaged in, in the month of Ramadan, was that which is related to as-sadaqah. When it came to paying the sadaqah. It came in a narration, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَجْوَدْ مَا يَكُونَ فِي الرَّمَضَانِ He was the most generous of people when he came in the month of Ramadan. And then he says in the end of the hadith, أَجْوَدُ بِالْخَيْرِ مِنْ رِيحِ الْمُرْسَلَةِ that he was more generous when he came to giving khair or to be involved in any goodness than the blowing wind. We know that the blowing wind is very, very fast. The blowing wind comes along very, very quickly. The Prophet wasallam, as he came in this hadith, was more quicker when he came to giving sadaqah. Brothers and sisters, this is a man who would sometimes leave his house. He would leave his house and he doesn't have any food in his house. And because of this, he would fast due to poverty and due to there not being any food in his house. And at the same time, he would be a person that would give sadaqah very, very quickly, more quicker than anyone, and he was more generous than anyone. There was even a time when he came out and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu came out of their houses as well. They both came out of their houses and they met each other. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said to Abu Bakr, sorry, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what is the reason why you have left your house today? He goes, the same reason why you left your house, I left my house as well. Because there was no food and drink in my house, and because of this, it made me leave my house, trying to look for maybe something to eat. 
So the Prophet ﷺ told Abu Bakr عنه, to tie his stomach out of hunger. To tie his stomach out of hunger. This is how poor they were. And at the same time, they were people that were very, very generous. The Prophet ﷺ died and his cloak was marhun in the Yahudi. He had a cloak that the Prophet ﷺ put down as a ransom. Why? To maybe go buy barley. He didn't have any money, so he left his cloak. He left his cloak to get some barley for him to eat and his family. That's how poor the Prophet ﷺ was. He would be very, very giving. Especially in the month of Ramadan. If someone says to us now, and we've seen that this is now something that is actually producing wealth, like an investment, like an investment. And we see that many, many people are making money. Many people are making money. Those that have partaken in this specific investment. It's very, very easy for a person to come and convince us to part with our money. Why? Because we want to make money. We have this problem, this fitna, as the Prophet ﷺ told us, I haven't left a fitna that is more bigger than the fitna of women and also wealth, money. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, fitna. Your wealth and your children are fitna to you. It's a trial. How many people they become maftoon when it comes to money? He was poor one day and today he becomes arrogant over the people, becomes stingy. This is the Prophet ﷺ. He tells us, When a person gives sadaqa, it doesn't decrease him in wealth. The Prophet ﷺ said, Three things I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when a person, he pays wealth, pays sadaqah, it doesn't increase him in wealth. If anything, it increases. As it came in another narration, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أَنْفَقْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَهُوَ يُخْلِفُهُ Never ever does a person spend anything except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replaces it with that which is better. If this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us that he's going to replace it, he's going to increase it, and it is not decreasing anything from our wealth, and we have the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, It's not like a human being. One day he promises you, one day he breaks his promise, one day he says this to you, and then tomorrow he changes it. La. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he never ever fails in his promise. Wallahi akhwana, we have to start doubting ourselves. When it comes to the bashar, when he promises us something, we believe him straight away. But when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have second thoughts. We have second thoughts. Oh, is this going to happen? Shall I part with my money? Very, very hard for a person to part with his money. And the Prophet ﷺ, we have an example, who was so poor, he was more generous when it came to doing goodness and more quicker than a blowing wind. Wallahi, we think about this, we ponder upon our own situations. 
that if we don't change this today in the month of Ramadan and we don't change the way we are then how on earth do we think maybe outside of Ramadan when a person's mind gets diverted away to other things this is the month of change this is the month if we don't get forgiven in this month as the Prophet said Man Ramadan iman it's a month of forgiveness if we don't get forgiven in this particular month then when are we going to get forgiven? Some people are going to be begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala khwani. Some people are going to be begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after they die so they can come back to this dunya to do what? To pay sadaqah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran if only you lighten my time just a little bit more, just a little bit more, فَأَصَدَّقَ وَأَكُمْ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ So that I can go just pay sadaqah, some sadaqah. فَأَكُمْ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ And so that I can be from those that are righteous. Persons specifically going to be begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's many other ayat that talks about Oh Allah, return us so that we can do righteous deeds. Sadaqah is the only one that has been mentioned by name as an action. That person is going to wish to go back to this dunya due to the amount of reward and the virtue that sadaqah has. So brothers and sisters, the boys in your court, 10 days have passed. Only you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala know the actions that you have been doing, how much sadaqah you've given. The other thing, Ikhwani, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to engage in in the month of Ramadan is reciting the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Is reciting the book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Many of us, when we hear the word jihad, when we hear the word jihad, the first thing that pops to our mind is the physical and violent form of jihad. To take your sword and take the AK-47 out and to start shooting people, that's the first image that pops to our mind when we hear the word Al-Jihad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَجَاهِدْهُمْ بِهِ جِهَادًا كَبِيرًا And strive against them with a very major jihad. Do you know what the intended purpose here? The biggest form of jihad and the most major form of jihad is to strive with the Quran. That's the biggest and best form of jihad. To strive with the Al-Quran. Acting upon it, pondering upon it, teaching it, refuting the people of battle with it. If you go back to the Mufassirin, it talks about making jihad against the kuffar with the Qur'an. Just because we're speaking about jihad today, it doesn't mean or it's not an encouragement to go join ISIS in the month of Ramadan. Rather, the only reason why we're mentioning these issues of al-jihad is because the Prophet ﷺ engaged in al-jihad in the month of Ramadan. Even though we don't see it to be correct to go join ISIS, or ISIL, whatever they called, due to all the problems that they have. But inshallah, that's another issue. But the biggest form of jihad is to strive with the Qur'an. To clarify to the people 
what the Quran is talking about, what is correct and what is falsehood. Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, he used to come to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam every single night in the month of Ramadan. فَيُدَارِسُهُ الْقُرْآنِ And he used to teach in the Quran. The fact that the Prophet ﷺ did this every single night, Imam al-Nawawi says, this shows now that this is the best form of ibadah that a person can do in the month of Ramadan. Without a doubt, you have qiyam, taraweeh, praying tahajjud, doing sadaqah, making dua, and all these other actions that a person does. But the Qur'an, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ was doing it every single night, it's in his own league. So you have the Qur'an. Brothers, you ask yourselves, we spoke about the topic of the Qur'an maybe the first week of Ramadan. We are on day number 10, the Salaf, they used to sit down, they used to think about what they did as the days of Ramadan came past. How much of the Qur'an have we read? Have we even picked up the Qur'an? Have we opened the Qur'an? Even if a person is struggling, khwani, even if the person is struggling to read the Qur'an, it's not an excuse for a person not to open up the Qur'an, not to read it. The Prophet ﷺ told us, The one that struggles to read the Qur'an, and he finds it difficult, then for him it's too reward. Even though it's difficult in the month of Ramadan, you're tired, you're dying. Huh? Some of us, we might feel we're dying to go open and read the Quran. That's why it's the biggest form of jihad. Because you're striving. What jihad means linguistically is to strive. You're striving with the Quran. And without prolonging any further, I'm just going to move on to the next part of the uh, muhadara so that we can try and utilize the time as much as possible. Another thing that I want to mention is that which is related to afu. Forgiving one another. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was asked, كَيْفَ كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَقْبِلُونَ Ramadan? How did you used to invite or do istiqbal of the Ramadan. How did you used to be when the Ramadan was coming? He said, مَا كَانَ أَحَدٌ يَجْرَعُ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ وَفِي قَلْبِهِ ذُرَّةُ حِقْدٍ عَلَى أَخِيهِ الْمُسْلِمِ We never used to allow the month of Ramadan to come. And in any of our hearts, where any hatred, any dislikedness, any hiqth towards a believer to have anything against your Muslim brother. We get into argumentations, we get into problems, we get into disputes with many, many different people throughout the whole year. Brothers, if we can't forgive each other in the month of Ramadan, Billahi alaykum, when the shayateen are locked up, the Prophet said, إِذَا دَخَلَ شَهَرْ رَمَضَانَ فُتِحَ دَبَّابُ الْجَنَّةِ the doors of heaven are flung open. The doors of hellfire are closed. And the shayateen, they are locked up. When the shayateen are locked up, 
even in this time when the shayateen are locked up and we can't forgive one another, then billahi alaykum, how on earth are we ever and ever going to forgive anyone outside the month of Ramadan? And the mercy is there. The mercy is there. Brothers, let me give an example. If I was to say no, test a person's manhood, whether it's your sister, or your wife, or your mother, she's been sleeping around. This is what he said, this is normal. People, they say this to each other, to maybe cuss each other. Any man, any man, you say that to him, that your daughter's been doing this, or that your daughter's this, or your wife's this, or your mother's this, this person is going to get really, really angry. His manhood, his rujul is going to get tested. Now let's go back to how the Salaf were. The story of Aisha radiallahu anha. Do you know what some people spread about her? Her own uncle, her own uncle was from those that spread about her that she slept with this guy. She fornicated, she done zina with this guy. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, who's the father of Aisha radiallahu anha, and he had a cousin called Mistah ibn Uthatha, who was the uncle of Aisha radiallahu anha. He was from those that spread this. His own niece was maybe sleeping with this guy, or she did this with that guy. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu used to spend on this guy, he used to give him money. Radiallahu anhum ajma'een. He used to pay him money. Because when he made hijrah, Mistah ibn Uthatha, he never had any money. So Abu Bakr radiallahu was the only source of income for this individual. Imagine now, a guy that you're paying money. You're giving him money from your own pocket. You don't have to do this, but you're doing this. And then he goes behind your back. And what does he do? He spreads lies about your own daughter, his own niece. Wallah, you're going to want and go and stop this individual. That's how a man feels. The only thing that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu did, he swore, I'm never going to help this guy again. I'm never going to help him again. So an ayah came down. An ayah came down regards to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Saying, do not let those who are virtuous, people like Abu Bakr, swear that they're not going to help these pe poor people again, or these muhajireen. So what did Abu Bakr anhu do? He just forgot about it completely, and he carried on giving him income, paying him, looking after him. Most of us, if this was to happen to us, even when we're giving him salam, if he was to say sorry and seek pardoning forgiveness, when we're giving him salam, we wouldn't be able to look eye to eye with this individual. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, not only did he forgive him, but he carried on paying him money. So you don't know, brothers and sisters, the amount of problems or the things that we have in regards to each other's hearts, with each other, whether it's personal problems, whether it is financial issues that we had. This is the month of Ramadan where a person needs to finish this. Sort it out right now. And try and forgive about it, forgive and forget. There's an incentive 
that every single one of us want. All of us, we have sins and we want to be forgiven. We're going to come on Yawm Al-Qiyam and we've got mountains of sins. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then said in the ayah, أَلَا تُحِبُّونَ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ Do you not want that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives you? So maybe because we forgave this individual, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives us in return. And this is the incentive. And in Ramadan, this is how the Salaf were when he came to preparing for the month of Ramadan. And I would have also liked to mention the issue of dua, but we mentioned this previously on the khutbah that we did here. Some of the things that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned regarding to the dua and to seize the opportunity of making dua, especially in the month of Ramadan, the Prophet said three people won't have their dua rejected. And one of the people that he said, the one that's fasting until he breaks it. 20 hours that we have, 20 hours. We shouldn't waste it with anything else. Some people, they only think at the end of breaking your fast, that's the only time when your dua is being accepted. No, the Prophet ﷺ, from the time that you start fasting all the way to the end, a person's dua is being accepted without fail. And inshallah, I don't think we have time, but we'll try to uh, cover some of these things that destroy a person's good deeds. That destroy a person's good deeds. I'm sure none of us want to come on Yawm Al-Qiyam, we have nothing. 600 hours that we were fasting. 600 hours in the month of Ramadan. And then we don't have nothing. There are some things, Ikhwani, that can make a person's actions destroyed. Void. Nil. That if he was to fall into these issues, finishes it off. And there's many ayat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in the Quran. مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَرَمَادٍ اشْتَدَّدْ بِهِ الْرِيحِ Also Allah says, وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا مِنْ عَمَلٍ فَجَعَلْنَاهُ هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا Whatever these people did, they come on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and they're like scattered particles. Becomes like scattered particles into the air. It just breaks up, shattered, nothing else left for this individual. From these things is shirk billah. Why we need to engage in understanding a Tawheed. You might say La ilaha illallah as much as you want. But if a person is then going, he's making dua to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Brothers and sisters, I've seen this with my own eyes. People making tawaf. Wallahi, making tawaf. And they're calling out, Oh Ali, save us from the hellfire. These are people that claim Al-Islam. They're saying, Oh Ali, save us. One Egyptian guy shouted at them and said to them, Say, Oh Allah. There's like 30 of them yani, singing this as a chorus. And then Inad and Westikbaran, out of arrogance and stubbornness, they carried on. They're shouting even more louder now. Oh Ali, save us from the hellfire. Ali radiallahu anhu was a Sahabi Jalil. Great Sahabi. But dua is not diverted except to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine now a person who's claiming la ilaha illallah and he's committing shirk at the same time. Comes on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, his actions are, are shattered like scattered particles. Second thing is, and this is mostly to the youth, 
the Prophet ﷺ told us, ثَلَاثَةٌ لَا يَقْبَلُ اللَّهُ لَهُمْ صَرْفًا وَلَا عَدْلًا Three people, three people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't accept anything from them. لَا صَرْفًا وَلَا عَدْلًا From the people that he mentioned, عَاقٌ The one that is disrespectful, undutiful to his parents. The one that's undutiful to his parents. You find that mom, we break our fast today, I think, at 9.30. At 9.25, your mom, she tells you, this is when the hunger is draining in. A person is khalas, yani, he reaches the point where he's not able to bear it anymore. Your mom, she tells you, Muhammad or Jama, go to the shop, five minutes walk, Go buy me this and go buy me that. Very, very easy at this point. When a guy, he might talk back. He might disrespect his parents. He might tell her, you go do it or tell someone else to do it. I'm tired. And because of this, it destroys a person's good deeds. All that you are fasting gets destroyed. And in reality, your mom, she's telling you to go buy the food in order to do what? To cook food for you. To put that food in your mouth. Today we find that the kids, they shout at their parents. They hit, they get violent with their parents. They start to get what? Violent to their parents. It's becoming normal. The kuffar, they do this normally. So we see this and we begin to adopt their ways as well. Forget about hitting or shouting at them. The Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفْ don't say off to them. This kalima off. Ah! When they tell you to do something, don't say the word off. And then it says, as in, do not address them. In Somalian, they say, Don't speak to them as if you're the bigger man, you're addressing your parents, telling them what to do. And speak to them in a very noble, Calm, honorable way. How many ayat in the Quran? How many ayat in the Quran? Abdullah ibn Umar, he one time saw a man that was carrying his mother on top and he's performing hajj. They're doing tawaf. He's carrying his mother. Why? Because he doesn't want her to stand on the floor and feel the heat. And burn her feet. So this man is coming to Abdullah ibn Umar and he's sweating. He's sweating from top to bottom. Sweating. Red. Fuming. He comes to Abdullah ibn Umar and he says to him, Have I now fulfilled the right of my mother? Do you know what Abdullah ibn Umar said to him? You haven't even fulfilled one kick that you made when you were in her stomach. One kick. The right of the mother cannot be fulfilled. And then we disrespect them when in reality they're looking after us. They're trying to sort us out. They're thinking about our food. Yes, you're going to be tired. You're going to be struggling. You're going to have hunger and thirst to the maximum. That doesn't mean that you even speak back to your mother. Ravi should be sami'na wa ata'na. We listen and we obey. As long as they're ordering you to, 
disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he mentioned three people, the actions get destroyed. He mentioned Aqun, second person that he mentioned, Al-Mannan, Al-Mukaddibun Bil-Qadr. Al-Mannan, ikhwani, is the one that keeps recalling and mentioning the favors. And you find that this tends to happen in the month of Ramadan. You say to yourself, Akhi, I invited this guy one year ago, last Ramadan, I invited him. So it's very, very easy to go up to this person and say to him, I invited you that day. I did this for you. Remember when I bought you this? And I looked after your children on this day. This is the mannan, the one that brings up the favors. Rather, when a favor is done for you, khalas. Oh, sorry, when you do a favor, you're seeking the rewards from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and end of. It doesn't have a relation. Or he doesn't have to have a connection that this person now he has to look after you. Even if he says no, you've done that for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then another thing that I want to speak about quickly, Ikhwani, as well, is the issue of wasting food. It could be the reason why all our actions get destroyed because we're not being grateful. When I live in a flat, I live on a flat that's 15 floors. Everybody there, they share a bin, one big bin outside that flat. Everybody has. Wallahi, wabillahi, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the bin this full since I've lived there and I've lived there for eight months. Then this month in the month of Ramadan, it's very easy for a person to think. Because he's fasting 20 hours, to come at the end of the day and that he needs to make up for all the foods that he, he has missed. Your breakfast, your lunch, and on khalas, your supper all at once. So he might end up cooking a lot of food or she might end up cooking a lot of food. And because of this what? He ends up preparing so much food that he has to then go waste the food and chuck it in the bin. The Salaf won't like this, Ikhwani. The Prophet ﷺ told us, Maymuna one time she picked up a tamar from the floor and she gave it to the Prophet ﷺ. A timar. A timar, Ikhwani, a timar. Maymuna radiallahu she picked up a timar. Today forget about timar, we're chucking Pasta, we're chucking rice, food that maybe if we, if we was to send them food to places like Syria, they'd make dua from a, for us from the bottom of their hearts. And this is a timir. The Prophet ﷺ told us that when a person ever drops food, to take the dirt off and then eat it and to also lick our fingers. This is the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ. And today, how are the cultures and the traditions? That if a person picks something up from the floor, this guy is a tramp. He hasn't been fed for maybe one week. That's what the people say. Well, why do they say this? Even in some cultures they have, that when you invite him to the house, and if the person now, he finishes the drink in the cup, automatically a person, he thinks this person is hungry. This person is hungry. Or he hasn't ate properly before, beforehand. And if he finishes everything on the plate, this guy, 
Subhanallah, yani, he's gone through many, many long periods, hard periods, he's been suffering. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, وَلَا تُبَذِّرْ تَبْذِيرًا إِنَّ الْمُبَذِّرِينَ كَانُوا إِخْوَانَ الشَّيَاطِينَ Do not waste. Those that waste are the brothers of the shaytan. They are the brothers of the shaytan. And Allah says, وَكُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا وَلَا تُسْرِفُوا إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُوا الْمُسْرِفِينَ Eat, drink, and do not waste. For indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't love those that waste. Brothers, those that have realized, you've realized that when you come at 9.30, there's only a certain amount that you can have. There's only a certain amount of food that you can have. You can't have the three meals that you missed. Your body doesn't work like that. It doesn't function like that. There's only a certain amount that you can have. If only we took the means of what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us, there'd be more barakah in our foods. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us, الطعام لواحد كافي لاثنين والطعام لاثنين كافي لأربعة والطعام لأربعة كافي لثمانية The food of one is sufficient for two and the food of two is sufficient for four and the food of four is sufficient for eight and he told us when we finish to lick our fingers and to clean the plate to take the food off for indeed we don't know where the barakah is but today the culture says otherwise we are seen to be people that are dirty, they're tramps, or they don't get fed properly. And it goes against the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Should we carry on? It's okay, yeah? Khalas, <coughs> inshallah. Okay, khalas, inshallah. Taib. Three more things, inshallah, if we have time in the next 15 minutes, we try to quickly cover. And this is in relation to the women. That the women need to be very, very careful of. We know that women are going to be here today, so we thought it was befitting to mention this. The Prophet wasallam said, Three people, their salat, when they pray, it doesn't go past their ears. It doesn't get accepted from them. The Prophet said, from the things that he mentioned, Imratun batat wa alayha ghadban. A woman, she went to sleep and her husband was angry with her or he was upset with her. And this could be due to numerous amount of reasons as to why the women she doesn't respect her husband and she doesn't do that which she tells her to do. Today in this country we have the opposite. And this is partly also the husband's fault. One of the reasons why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he made the man the maintainer over the woman. Firstly, simply because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he preferred the man over the woman and secondly because he brings the money to the house today we find in our communities the guy he doesn't want to work he doesn't want to work and because he doesn't want to work who picks up the money the benefits go straight into the woman's what into her bank 
We know that if we look at our world, the countries that have money, they are more powerful and they tend to make the rules and make the principles and they tend to have an upper arm over the rest of the countries. Why? Because they have money. Why are America today, people are scared of her and Saudi Arabia as well. Why? Because they have money and they've got power and they've only got power because of the money. Taib. Simply just because of the money. If the money goes in the wrong person's hand, what ends up happening? The woman, she starts to think that she's running the house. Why? Because she has the power. She has the power. And because of this, today we find many, many divorces. I hear people, they come tell me. The woman, she's doing this. So you ask, why? What's the problem? It's his fault as well. Why? Because he doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to work. So she picks up the money. And because of this, she starts becoming powerful. She wants to have the upper hand. She wants to tell the husband and the rest of the people in the family what to do. So there's problems. And she begins to become very, very disrespectful as well. She doesn't speak to him properly. She doesn't give him his right. The Prophet ﷺ told us about the woman that goes to sleep and her husband is telling her to come back to the bed and she doesn't do this. The malaika are cursing her till the morning. The malaika are cursing her till the morning. And if the woman now she upsets her husband and they go to sleep and he is unsatisfied with her. And because of this is the reason why her ibadat get destroyed. Just because the woman has to respect the, pair, uh, the husband, that doesn't mean ikhwani. Sometimes people, they get the wrong end of the stick. That we treat them as slaves, as we went and bought them. That they are maybe people that are lower than us. This is not the religion of Islam. The Prophet ﷺ told us, and we have to keep this balanced. Otherwise, either side, he can maybe go on to the wrong end of the stick. And people, they might understand very, very incorrectly. The Prophet ﷺ said, خيركم, خيركم The best of you are those that are best to their families. Look after them. Be nice to them. Be good to them. Give them their right. Treat them how they deserve to be treated. They're not animals. That we get them, khalas, we put them, we do whatever we want to them, and khalas, we throw them. There has to be mutual love and affection between the two. They have to help each other. They have to do things for each other. Otherwise, the relationship is not going to get maintained. And another thing, Khwani, that I want to mention is that which is related to the Salat. The Prophet ﷺ told us, Man al-asr, faqad amalahu. The most recent prayer that we prayed, the Asr. The one that leaves of the Asr, then his actions are getting destroyed. Wallahi, ya khwani. Wallahi, wa billahi, wa tallahi. A lot of the ulama, they believe that the one that doesn't pray this person is a kafir. Forget about his actions being destroyed. This guy is not a Muslim. This person is not a Muslim. That's what they believe. Allah subhanahu the Prophet sallallahu said, Al-ahdu alladhi baynana wa baynahum salat man taraka faqad kafar. The difference between us and them, the agnostic 
Also, the Bodhi guy, the Hindu, the Jewish, and the Christian, the difference between us and them is the Salat. And whoever leaves it off, then this person has committed kufr. That's how the Sahaba, they saw this issue. When a person, maybe he wasn't fasting, they said maybe this guy is ill. Or he's suffering from a sickness that doesn't allow him to fast. If they saw a guy not maybe going to Hajj, maybe this person, he doesn't have the ability, he's poor. Maybe if a person wasn't paying sadaqah, he doesn't have the money. They had excuses for this individual. If a girl wasn't wearing hijab, maybe she what? She's new to Islam or she's a slave girl. But when it came to Salah, there was no excuses. Abdullah ibn al-Shaqiq al-Uqayli, he said, that he met 30 of the Sahaba, كانوا لا يرون من الأعمال تركه كفرا غير الصلاة. He never used to see an action that was abandoned. Or they never used to see an action to be abandoned. To be kufr other than salat. That's how serious this issue is today. When we hear maybe one of our family members. She's become pregnant. It becomes a very very big commotion. Very big issue. If one of our family members is drinking khamar. Or he's selling drugs. Or he's now sitting in Ladbrokes gambling. It becomes a very, very big issue. He gets kicked out of the house. In all our communities. He gets what? He gets kicked out of the house. It becomes a commotion, fiasco. But when it comes to the Salat, Inshallah, maybe he's going to pray later. Or we don't see it to be at the same level. We shouldn't even see it to be at the same level. We should see it to be much worse when a woman gets pregnant or a guy selling drugs. Because if a person now, he dies upon drugs or he dies upon zina, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might forgive him. There's a chance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might forgive him. But when it comes to the salat and the guy dies upon it, he's died like any other guy that's walking on the streets. The guy that's walking inside a church or in a temple, then this person is dying the same way as that. Why? Because this person has left Islam. That's how they saw the Salat. The rest of the Ibadat, it wasn't seen like this. It wasn't, it wasn't seen like this. So if we might be people that are praying, if anything, we need to raise the concern. We need to advise the people how serious this issue is of leaving of the prayer. It's not a serious matter just like to maybe leaving of the hijab or to leave of the siyam. It's not the same. Even though they are serious things, they're not as serious as the Salat. And last but not least, and this is convenient to all of us because every single one of us, he has a tongue. Every single one of us, he has a tongue. That when a person is fasting in the month of Ramadan, he needs to be extra careful when it comes to speaking. Even outside of Ramadan. The Prophet said, مَن لَمْ يدع قول الزور والعمل به فليس لله حاجة يدع طعامه وشرابه The one that doesn't leave a false talk, wasting his, speaking about things that have no significance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in need of him leaving off his food and drink. The most biggest manner or the quickest manner that a person, a human being, the Bani Adam, 
he falls into a mistake, it normally goes back to his tongue, as the Prophet said. أكثر خطايا ابن آدم في لسانه. The most common mistake that Ibn Adam makes is because of his tongue. Constantly talking, 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 talking. Today we find it's very, very easy to speak about this guy, to backbite him, to maybe swear at this guy. Today the Shabab, do you know how they speak? F in this, F in this, F in that. It's become normal, it's part of the speech. It all goes back to the tongue of a person. Today, Wallahi, I'm being serious. Conversations happen. When a guy is speaking, and this is because of the kuffar, how we saw them speak and we adapted this. In every sentence he says maybe the F word three times. So it affects the way we speak. It's so easy to slander. We say that this girl, she did this with that guy. Or this guy is a liar. We slander this guy. We do zulm on this individual. Very, very easy to do. Brothers and sisters, the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ قَالَ فِي أَخِيهِ الْمُؤْمِنِ مَا لَيْسَ فِيهِ أَسْكَنَهُ اللَّهُ فِي رَضْغَةِ الْخَبَالِ The one that says about his brother something that is not there, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put him in the worst, you know where the waste, the waste of the human being goes, in the hellfire. Imagine all the thing that comes out your back and that which comes out your front. The sweat, all that dirt. There's a place in the Jahannam. This person will be put in that area. Not even in the normal part, even though it's burning hot. It's 70 times the normal fire that we have today. 70 times. We can't even bear if you go put your hand on top of the stove. Nobody here can bear this. 70 times the Prophet Sallallahu told us. And then you're going to be put in the most waste where all the waste and the sweat comes out. Nobody forces you to speak. Nobody forces you to speak. No one's forcing you. Some shari said, insanu. And then he went on to say, La thu'banu. O person, control your tongue. Control it, preserve it. For indeed it's like a python, it bites the person. Do not let it bite you. Don't let the harm come to you on Yom Al-Qiyamah. We mentioned this time and time again, and I'm sure we spoke about this before here as well. That one kalima that a person said, one kalima, one word. Forget about the sentences, all the things that we spoke about. One kalima. Because of that one kalima, the Prophet Sallallahu said, a man, he speaks with one word, just one word, not a sentence, one word. And he angers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and when he speaks just that one word, he doesn't give any care to it. Because of this one word, he gets chucked into the hellfire 70 years. So do not be from that muflis, that bankrupt guy. The guy that the Prophet ﷺ told us he's bankrupt. The Prophet ﷺ said to the Sahaba, do you know who the bankrupt is? The guy that is bankrupt, they said the guy that has no money and he has no wealth. He has no goods. The Prophet ﷺ said, and I'm going to conclude the lecture with this. 
إن المفلس من أمتي من يأتي يوم القيامة وعنده صلاة وصيام وصدقة. The bankrupt is the one that comes on يوم القيامة. He's been fasting just like we've been fasting today. He's got صدقة. He's got صلاة. خد شتم هذا وضرب هذا وسفك دماء هذا وأخذ مال هذا. He's hurt this guy. He's taken the money of this guy. He's slandered, insulted this guy. He's been oppressing the people. So what happens? People, they come, they start taking this guy's salat. Let me take a salat al-isha. Let me take the fasting that he fasted in 2015. Let me take a sadaqah when he paid 2,000 pounds. Let me take all of that. That's what happens to the person that is bankrupt. The one that wasn't able to control his tongue. And then, until you have nothing left, what happens? The guy that you've been cussing and insulting, slandering, accusing, with false accusations, because you don't have any good deeds, the sins that he has, he starts putting on you. Hey, take this. Khado, here, take it. And then khalas, he's taken his fair share, the next person comes that you spoke about. So brothers and sisters, this only a reminder is, no, I'm not here to tell anyone off or to maybe speak to someone in such an incorrect manner. Rather, it's just a reminder for myself and a reminder secondly for my brothers that we try to get the best out of the month of Ramadan so that we're not heedless and we come on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and we wasted the opportunity to get all this reward that is here. All this reward that's here. So please, Ikhwani, do not just put it through one ear and take it out the other. Try and maximize, optimize in trying to do the activities that we spoke about, hoping that we get the best out of Ramadan. We ask Allah Azza wa to make this a beneficial Ramadan and make us from those that are mentioned in the hadith, man sama Ramadan, and waman qama Ramadan, waman yamlaq, waman yaqum laylatul qadr, imanan wa ihtisafan, ghufira lahu ma taqaddam in dhanbih, whoever fasts, believing in Allah and hoping for his reward, and the one that stands in prayer, and the one that stands in laylatul qadr, hoping for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reward and believing in him that all their sins get forgiven and inshallah if the brother wants to any questions regards to the topic that we spoke about just quickly five ten minutes we speak about and then we call it a, a day Jazakallah <coughs> Sheikh Abu Taymiyyah for his enlightening talk today is alhamdulillah I hope that we benefited a lot um, I don't want to lengthen anything because I think that the, the talk was very clear. Uh, if brothers have any question they want to ask Sheikh in regard to what he just spoke today, please, you can ask your questions now. If you want to write it down, you can write it down. And for the sisters as well, if you have any few questions, allow about three to four, maximum five questions only because of the time. So if you have any questions, please, you can ask Sheikh right now. Jazakumullah khair. And brother, just quickly, I mentioned to you, and Jazakallah khair for our brother. Uh, you, know, you know the word Sheikh doesn't really apply to us. We're not Mashayikh. The Mashayikh are Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan, Sheikh Uthaymeen, Sheikh Al-Albani, Sheikh Bin Baz. We're just, Wallahi, Masakin, students of knowledge that learned maybe a few ways here just to benefit ourselves and also benefit the people. Wallahi, that title is not befitting for us, and we don't see ourselves to be Mashayikh. If you just call me by my name, and we say this in so many muhadrat, but the people just keep on saying this, but just refer to us as maybe brother or Abu Taymiyyah or Muhammad or whatever. Now, we're just like 
everyone else here no, no different if anything you are the mashayikh the elder lot who are older uh, very quickly inshallah any questions from brothers So I don't get the question. You're saying that people they get mixed Isha up with Tarawih. Ah, for the Tarawih, but they don't come to the Isha. Salat al Isha. Well, I just as we was mentioning, leaving of the Salat, whether it's Isha, whether it's Fajr, the Tarawih is only something that is recommended. It's a Sunnah, something that the Prophet used to establish. Is no way near as the place and the weight the Salatul Isha. The Prophet وسلم, he told us in one of the narrations, Athkhalu Salat ala al-Munafiqeen al-Fajr wal-Isha. The two Salat, the two prayers, the most difficult upon the Munafiqeen is the Fajr and also Isha. The Munafiqeen, they never used to come to these two prayers. They only used to come to Duhur, maybe Asr and also Maghrib. Why? Because everybody can see them. And after Isha, the lights are off. If someone was to maybe come, nobody would realize him. The Salah, as we was mentioning, we touched upon this issue, whether it is Fajr, whether it's Isha, to leave of any prayer. The ulama, they see it, Ikhwani, Wallah, it's, not, it's a serious matter. They see this person not to be a Muslim. They see this person not to be a Muslim. It's a very serious issue. If we're striving to come to the Taraweeh, the Taraweeh is only secondary. The Isha should take precedence. Then if you want to go home after, then go home. But we should establish the Salat al-Isha, the Wajib first, and then after that, the rest of these supererogatory recommended prayers come. Not to say, not I'm trying to discourage people from coming to Taraweeh, but everything has got its place. The Isha is more important. Jazakallah khair. Naam, any other questions? Then we'll ask the Ustad then to ask you a question, then whether you understood the topic then, if you don't ask him. Taib, I'm going to ask the kids. Who is paying attention? We mentioned a story inside the Muhadara. Who was the uncle of the one that was accused of doing zina. What was his name? Abu Bakr Siddiq was the father, his cousin. I mentioned a sahabi's name. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him. We mentioned his name. His name was something. I'll give you a clue. His name begins with a meme, with an M. And it ends with a ha. If the kids can answer, what about the adults then? 
I mentioned the name. I mentioned, I mentioned. Yeah. Okay, maybe uncle you went out and... Okay. Can adults remember the name? Start with the M or Mim. Mim with I. Mim Kisra. Okay, we'll give you another clue. M and then I. Me. Okay, we add another letter. S. Huh? Mustafa. <laughs> okay, we'll give the fourth letter T. Mist. Not the mist outside. Huh? Huh? Mistah, good. And the second name? Should we mention the letters again and the second name? Huh? His name was Mistah ibn Uthada. Brothers and sisters, let me just quickly mention something as well. We might. You ask yourselves as well, how many muhadharat have we gone to? How many muhadharat have we gone to? If you ask yourselves, can I remember what some of the muhadharat that we sat down, can, can we have some quiet please, brothers? Just quickly, inshallah. How many muhadharat we've gone to in our lives? Can we remember some of the ma'lumat, the information that was given in the muhadharat? You know Abdullah ibn Umar ibn As, he mentioned, Amr ibn As, he goes, nobody, sorry, Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu, he mentioned, nobody knew more hadith than me, except one person. Except one person. And this person was Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As. He said, فَإِنَّهُ كَانَ يَكْتُبُ وَلَا أَكْتُبُ He used to write the hadith down, and I never used to write it. So Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As became an alim in hadith, and he knew more hadith than Abu Huraira. That was before the dua happened for Abu Huraira. Why? Because he used to write it down. Just imagine all the benefits, all the hadith that we mentioned. Forget about us, the statements of the Prophet All the muhadhara that we go to. We listen, we go and we come and we've forgotten everything that the muhadhara has been mentioning. Imagine all the benefit that goes past us. They imagine that we wrote it down. We went and told someone else. We taught our families how much benefit there would be. So that's the importance of writing down the fawai today. Wallahi, wallahi, very rare. Very, very rare. Maybe in a muhadhara, if the most five people, they write down the hadith or someone's writing it down. This needs a bit of tawadu. It needs someone to humble himself to actually realize that he needs to understand these things, to write these issues down for his own benefit in the beginning and then to go benefit other people. Otherwise, every muhadhara that we go to, it goes through one ear, comes out the other, and then we get no benefit. So that's just an advice. Wallahi, don't let these opportunities, ikhwani, we might die any time. We've got kids, their kids, they've got kids, that we can pass these things on, na'am, to benefit and also write the fawaid, the benefits, the hadith down, so we can benefit ourselves. Any more questions, inshallah, before we... Let's wrap up, inshallah. I think that's enough then, inshallah.
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليه